Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. But first, let's open in prayer. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this great opportunity that we have to be in church in your house, God, that we never take it for granted, that we enjoy every moment that we get to be in your house, learning more about you, strengthening our relationship with you, God. As always, we pray for all the leaders of this world, of this country, of these provinces, of these cities, God, that strength, resilience, joy fills their life, God. We thank you for health and healing in them, God. We thank you that they continue to just lead this country and these cities in your will, your perfect plan for us, God. And for those that aren't, God, we thank you that you remove them and we can elect someone even better that will continue to just lead this country and this world into your perfect will. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You know, as a pastor, there's some conversations that I have that they're interesting. Now, the most interesting conversations that sometimes I, I have to go through is when I meet someone for the first time, not at church, somewhere outside of church, Happens a lot in airports, happens a lot in planes, happens a lot um, maybe in lines for things where you're waiting for a long period of time and you happen to get into a conversation with the person next to you. And there's always a time in this conversation where I have to ask myself when to tell them my occupation. Because the question always comes, no matter what, you know at some point they're going to ask, so what do you do? I don't lie. But sometimes there's situations where I'm like, should I tell this person what I do right now? Is this going to change the rest of our conversation to a negative way if I let them know that I'm a pastor? I've said things like, I'm a public speaker before. (laughs) I'm not lying. Don't judge me, okay? Because, and it's sad that I have to say that because there's times in which the pastor comes out where I say, I'm a pastor, and it changes the entire conversation going forward. Sometimes for the better, where we get to talk about Jesus and God and what they're doing in our lives and such an amazing side of that. But then other times, it brings on where they just put a stone wall up and they don't want to talk to me anymore. Now, it's sad because I find that there's people in two camps there's the camp where they believe in Jesus, they, they love it, they are excited for it, and there's probably three, but majority are in these two, where they believe in Jesus, they grew up in it, they go to church, and then the second camp is these people have been hurt by religion, hurt by church, or hurt by religious people. Now, the people that are hurt by religious people happen to be a lot of them. A lot of people have this hurt, and so the second they find out that I'm a pastor, I instantly get seen through a filter of this guy's religious and he's probably going to hurt me too. It's sad. I hate it. Because anyone who comes to Springs knows that's not, that's not the case. We love God, and we have this transformative power of a relationship with Jesus within us that helps us go out and do whatever we need to do for Jesus. But that's different than religion. See, Jesus came to end religion. Jesus came to stop the religion. I, I, I came, I was on a, on a flight with someone and, and uh, it got to the point where I, he's like, oh, I don't like religion. And I was like, me neither, man. And he looks at me like, just confused. What? And I'm like, I don't like religion either. His, almost like his jaw hit the floor. I'm not even going to lie. He was just like, but you just said you were a pastor. And I said, I know, I'm a pastor that hates organized religion. And he's like, what? 
And that, let me tell you, started a nice two-hour-long conversation on a flight that we had an awesome time and a great time where we could talk to each other. The problem is we live in a world where people prejudge you or you to them before you're even able to accept them for who they are which stops every God-given relationship from making its way to you. And what God had for you could have been absolutely amazing within that relationship, but you or the other person judged too quickly to ever even go down the road of a relationship, a friendship, a good time. It happens all the time. So Jesus came to end religion, and this started to start to change my conversations that these last few months I've been having with people. I've been asking questions to people outside of church quite often that I get to talk to, and I always say, If you've been hurt or had bad experiences with people or have felt judged, I said, is it often from someone who is religious or is it someone who's non-religious? And nine out of 10 times, you know what they say. They say it's from someone who's religious. I said, that is sad. Unbelievably sad. We're trying to experience, help other people experience this love of Jesus to their very core because we all know in this church that transformation happens in a relationship with Jesus. Transformation doesn't happen with you judging someone until they turn to Jesus. Transformation doesn't happen when you tell someone they don't, they're living their life a way that they shouldn't live their life. That just ruins relationships and gets people to distance themselves from you. But if you can push this, this side of, hey, you need a relationship with Jesus because that's where it is just absolutely amazing. Your life will change. When that starts to happen and people experience this relationship with Jesus, man, do they experience this transformation that you can only, you can't even really explain it because it's so phenomenal and life-changing. I keep asking these questions of who are the most judgmental people that you've experienced in your life. And I've had friends that tell me they've been called out from the stage from different pastors in different churches for drinking coffee, for doing things like that where you're like, we laugh at it because I'm like, look, clean up these chairs and you'll see coffee stains everywhere, <laughs> okay? That's just how, I'm like, you can come to our church. I said, we have, we have a few different cafes. Grab a coffee, come enjoy the service. That's just how we are. But it's sad when this judgment overtakes every relationship that these people get into. And it's this exact same thing that made me want to think about a message today that I've had to study myself and make sure that I'm continuing down this path. But I want you to as well be in that spot because Jesus, first and foremost, came to end religion. We see this in the message translation, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's an, an incredible verse incredible way of us looking into this, that Jesus is wanting us to step into this life to live abundantly, to live the best life that we possibly can. But we cannot do that when we take on this religious side of things. We need to take this Christ-like side of things as the way that we've been created is to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. But the sad thing is, and that's why I opened with saying, I don't even like saying my occupation sometimes because there's so much hurt on that side from religion that I almost have to unpack an hour of conversations to get them to trust what I say or even want to talk to me. And that's just how it works with, with when, when religious people get 
involved. See, back in the day in the Bible, we, we, had a, we, had, we talked about, you hear all the time about the Pharisees. There was a group of people in the, in the Bible called the Pharisees, and they were highly religious and stuck in their own doctrines, rituals, constantly against Jesus and what he did. And that, this is what Jesus said in Mark about them. In Mark 7, verse 6 to 7, it says, Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their, teaching, their teachings are merely human rules. What really stuck out to me about this verse is that second line there, those, those, sorry, those th- third and fourth lines. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Why? Because what you say in the world that we live in can cause hurt, but ultimately when you have actions that back up what you say, you become someone that's trustworthy. When you say something that, that, no, that people go, oh, that sounds great, it's awesome, it's great to, to be on that side of things, but that yet your actions never walk out the, the life that you say you're in with Jesus, well, then it leads to judgment, it leads to hurt, it leads to all these things that we don't want others to, fee- to feel. See, I see similarities between religious people today and the Pharisees in the Bible because these, there, are two, there are those who outwardly profess their faith in Jesus, yet their hearts are distant from him. Their actions fail to reflect his teachings and example, and this discrepancy arises from a, la- a lack of genuine relationship with him, preventing them from truly understanding how to embody his love and character. Us, we as Christians need to embody Christ's love and character. And when we do this, it starts to completely open up the world to relationships that we never thought we'd ever have because we take the judgment hat off and go, I'm going to accept and love the way that Jesus did. The more that we do that, the more change you see in the world that we live in. See, it's the religion that has gotten in the way of how we share our faith. It's turning into this, I'm judging you for the life you live, and hopefully I'm going to judge you enough where you feel convinced and come to church. Oh my gosh. I already know this is going to be a pin drop message because I'm going to step on a lot of toes. So I'm going to apologize, but not apologize as well. I enjoy doing these messages. I only prep them for me. I will say that every single time. I prep this for myself, what I'm learning, and I really hope that you guys can get something from what I prep for myself as well because it's so important for us to realize how we can share our faith in an effective way. If we can't share our faith in an effective way, then we will never push Christianity forward and push this side of what Jesus is, who he is, how he loves, how he accepts. And if we can't get that basic fundamental of how to share our faith, then we'll never be able to go on to do what God has called every single one of us to do. See, it's not just pastors that we're called to make disciples of all nations. It's everyone. That was the greatest commandment for every single one of us to go make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say judge people to make disciples. It doesn't say make them feel bad for the life they live. No, it doesn't say that at all. It actually says the opposite of that in the Bible. See, it's our duty as Christ followers to reach the lost, to make disciples of all nations. And, and it's, our duty to, it's not our duty to come to church and just learn and just go back to our lives. It's our duty to come to church, learn, and then take it outside of these walls and continue to show this love of, of, of Christ to everyone that we come into contact with because that's the only transformation that will ever happen within people is when they truly feel loved by God. 
period, 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 period. Not judgment from you. Everyone has that aunt at, at, the, at the family get-together that judges everything that you do all the time. It could be an uncle too, sorry. I'm not saying it's just aunts. Could be an uncle too. But I'm saying, oh, someone always has that person in their life where you just constantly feel judged by them and therefore you never get close to them because it's not worth it. You don't want to be judged all the time that we go. So it's our duty to share Christ with everyone. The problem is that religion has gotten in the middle of what we share and how we share it. So today, I want to share three religious obstacles that stop our ability in effectively reaching people for Christ. Let me say that again. Three obstacles that stop our ability in effectively reaching people for Christ. See, it's our, it's our duty to reach the lost. It's, we have to go out and do it. And if we don't, Christianity might as well end today. The love of Jesus and what he did for the cross for us at Mazel end today because it's not going to go any further if his kids, his children, don't push this forward in the correct way. So my point number one for three obstacles is judgment ruins what Jesus came to do. Judgment ruins what Jesus came to do. As a pastor, I often hear people expressing their frustration with organized religion all the time. Many feel weighed down and, and by the rules and rituals um, and they believe that, that they believe are necessary to please God. Or they're sick of religious people judging them for the life that they chose to live. But however, Christianity was never meant to be just another religion. Jesus came to end all religions and offer us something far greater, a genuine relationship with God. One of the fastest ways that we as Christians can turn people off from Christianity is to judge them. This is, uh, this is against what most people do. And you probably don't even know some of us that we do it because it's just so ingrained in this religion that we feel like we need to judge others and make sure they're walking the straight and narrow that the Bible talks about. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that. See, how does judgment start? Well, when someone is religious, they believe they need to be the church cop. Man, I wish we could hand out sirens for those people that walk through the halls in our church so you'd just be ready when they're walking your way, right? They already have their siren on. Like, so what'd you do this week? You know? Yeah? Was it good? Okay, well, you shouldn't do that. And they just go down. No one wants that. The friends that you've had that are like that probably aren't even in your life anymore because people don't like feeling judged for what they chose to do. We're all in life trying to do our best. Would anyone raise their hand right now and don't? I'm just saying, would anyone and say, yeah, I'm not trying to do my best? It doesn't make sense. We're all trying to do our best. And so when you get judged for already trying to do your best, even if it's in ignorance and not knowing what to do, you're still trying to do your best. So when someone judges you, it makes you feel super inadequate, not like you're going anywhere with anything, feeling like you don't know what to do. And that's not the feeling that we want to give people. We want to give people the feeling of Jesus, of Christ, of love, of acceptance, of forgiveness, of this ability to change. When you hold someone, what they do over them at all times, it changes their even desire to want to change, which is the worst thing that we can do. When you talk to Jesus, man, I bet you, you, just, you just feel like you want to change because you're like, wow, I know that this is the best, better life, and I want to do that. But yet in, in, the, in the world that we live in, we've pushed this ritual, this religion, this side forward that you must do this to do this. But now I'm getting ahead of, my, ahead of myself. The problem with judgment is it always turns into gossip. Always. Who likes gossip? Yeah, just a few. Okay, you guys might want to put your hand down. Now we know who's spreading the rumors, okay? <laughs> gossip sucks. Gossip isn't fun. Gossip ruins relationships. Gossip does so much 
terrible things to every relationship that you could possibly be in, into. You know, when I, I, I've made this stance, probably in the last couple of years, more than ever, where I'm like, I'm done with it. I'm done with listening to it. I'm done with, even if I was accidentally doing it, I'm done with it. If people around me are, are gossiping to me, I distance myself. Because I'm like, you're gossiping to me. The second I do something that you don't like, you're going to be gossiping about me. So it's like, what, what's the big deal? So I distance myself instantly from gossip. Why? Because it ruins absolutely everything. Everything. All the things, okay? Everything possible gossip ruins. And so now my, my stance is, nope, sorry, I don't want to hear about this. I always say this, I'm on a need-to-know basis. Is what you're about to say to me something I need to know? And they go, well, what do you mean need to know? I'm like, do I need to know this? Well, no. Okay, then I don't want to hear it. I don't want to have a preconceived judgment of someone else because someone else's filter they see someone through now affects my ability to accept someone. We have to make sure what the Bible says, there's two, story, two sides to every single story. And so often we always believe the first story that we hear. It's not smart to do that. It ruins communities. It ruins churches. It ruins families. It, mo- it ruins marriages. It ruins a whole lot of stuff. And actually, I, I've, ri- I've written a, a little bit of a list out here. Gossip undermines trust. It damages relationships. Gossip creates an atmosphere of suspicion and uncertainty. It sows seeds of discord among individuals and within communities. That's scary when you have such an amazing community like this. When you have a place where you can feel at home and loved by Jesus and you can feel like you can screw up but still move forward, that's an amazing community that we need to hold on to and continue to build healthily, not by tearing it down with gossip. Trust, a vital foundation for healthy relationships is eroded the second you gossip. Gossip inflames conflicts, magnifies misunderstandings, and escalates tensions. The information shared through gossip is often incomplete, distorted, or false. Gossip leads to misjudgments and unfair characterizations. Repairing the damage caused by gossip requires extensive efforts to rebuild bridges and mend fractured bonds. Gossip erodes the integrity of communities. Your business, your career, your family community, your church community, it erodes the integrity of communities. It breeds a culture of negativity and judgments pass hastily. Gossip fosters an environment of insecurity and fear. It hinders genuine connections and prevents the flourishing of a supportive and inclusive environment. Gossip acts as a toxin that spreads rapidly, inflicting harm on individuals, relationships, and communities. Now, I'm sure the same people will raise their hands again, but anyone still want to gossip? (laughs) It's how it works. When you you read a, a list of that, you're like, oh my goodness. We're not made to gossip. It's actually, it's, it's created to cause division between everyone is when we start to gossip. And some of us get stuck in this, but let me tell you, in Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you and me, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Let me tell you, some people will never allow you to live at peace with them, but you can still be at peace in that relationship and go, okay, whatever. I'm still going to do everything I can to live at peace with everyone. Why not? Imagine if it said the opposite. I always do that with verses sometimes for them to really sink in. If at all possible, as far as depends on you, live in strife with everyone. (laughs) 
It instantly puts things in perspective, where it's like if you're not living at peace with everyone and constantly trying to live at peace with everyone, then you're going to have strained relationships with everyone. I don't want that. If someone always constantly goes a different route to make me feel like I can't do this, again, my actions, my words will always push towards peace, but then I'll just have to distance myself. That's just how it works. The Bible says, it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Gossip does not promote peace. Judgment always turns into gossip. Guess what? Gossip is a two-way street. Either you're speaking or you're listening, and both are just as bad. Maybe you're someone that always listens to your friend gossip. You're just as bad. Maybe you're a person that only gossips. You're just as bad as both sides. It's a two-way street. You need to either limit your ability to listen and say, nope, I don't want to do that. Like I said, you put distance in front of, between you and that person by saying, hey, you know what the best thing for this situation right now is? You taking this information to the person that you're telling me about and chat it out with them. That's the way that it should be. Now, don't get me wrong. There's people, there's people that come up and, and ask questions about, well, what about business and what about things you need to know? That's where my need-to-know basis comes in. And my need-to-know means that I'm going to make the situation better. I'm going to help coach and correct if I'm in a position to do that. Business and stuff comes in in a different side. But this is just everyday friendship, relationships, sharing our faith. If you're someone who gossips, that person instantly sees that you're not walking the way that Jesus walked. You think Jesus behind every closed door was like, yeah, did you see Peter? Oh my gosh. It's like pretty crazy. Like this guy, no, he didn't do that. And then we walk around and we do that all the time. We need to stop doing that. I believe our church doesn't do it. A little bit of a laugh. Okay, okay. So maybe some of you believed what I said there. It, it happens everywhere. And we need to make sure that it doesn't happen because I don't want this community to ever be eroded by gossip. Ever. And it always will. Gossip is a two-way street. Only you can stop it, and you can stop both sides because that person will just move on to someone else, and that's good for you. It doesn't make you feel any better when you hear things about people. It just now makes you walk around people kind of looking at them with that judgment already. Judgment needs to stop if we want Christ's love to be felt no matter what. Judgment is the biggest reasons people have problems with Christianity because it, it, it's not from true Christians because if you're a true Christian, you follow the example of Jesus, period, which means that you live your life the way that Jesus lived his life. See, it's always the religious people, the ones whose heart is far from Jesus, as Mark says. In Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5, it says, do not judge, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck of your brother's eye, at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, "Let me remove the speck from you," and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's all about working on ourselves to become the, the most image, the, the closest image we can to Jesus. And as we do that, the person with a speck in their eye will notice they have a speck in their eye and they'll probably come ask you for what, what, what can, how can you help me with this? How, how do I get over this? How do I do this? Not us walking around like a church cop wondering who we should just judge next. Oh, this person's new. We should let them know this is, this is how we live here. No, there's no one in the Bible does it save for us to do that. The Bible says the opposite, actually. It's to love people. It's to follow in Jesus' example. See, we are all trying to do our best, like I said, in this life. 
See, instead of striving to change people, let us recognize that only God has the power to bring about transformation, true transformation in their lives. However, there's something profound and impactful when... And, uh, Profound and impactful when we start to realize that we can allow Jesus to do the changing. And we just continue to love. We continue to accept. We continue to allow people to see Christ in us with our actions, with our speech, with the way that we do things. That's how it works. But there is something profound and impactful that we can do for those who are struggling. We can lift them up in prayer and encourage them. We all know that sometimes always going the negative route just makes them go even further down that route. But if we can encourage them in their life rather than judge them, it's amazing what that will do. And then we can pray. Let us choose to be a source of encouragement and support for those in need. Offering our heartfelt prayers on their behalf. Not the fact that we just judge, 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 judge all the time. But before we can even encourage someone and pray for them, we need to stop judging. Have to stop judging. Point number two, earn E-A-R-N, or burn. We've all heard the turn or burn. I'm changing it to earn or burn. Okay, Danny mentioned that. Only 1% in his stats of young adults believe that we don't need to earn our way by good deeds into heaven, into a relationship with Jesus. Only 1%. That's unbelievable. That means the majority of the world who are unchurched or not Christians believe that they still need to earn by good deeds going forward. What did Jesus come to earth for? To restore our relationship with God and never make it about works and rituals again. See, in 1 John 2, verse 1 to 2, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the entire world. John's language in this book of John is unmistakable. Jesus died for the sins of John's audience, which is undoubtedly believers in Christ, but also for those of the entire world, the entire world. That means that there's a love and a care for everyone, non-Christians and Christians alike, that comes from God, directly from God and Jesus. See, the world who do not know Jesus still view Christianity as an earn or burn system. It's all about deserving. This is not Jesus's message. It's quite the opposite. Religion teaches us that we must earn our way into God's favor through our own efforts but that, and, and that we have to earn our way into heaven. It places this heavy burden on our shoulders as Christians or as, as people to think, wow, I got to live a perfect life in order to experience God's abundant life. And that's not the truth. The truth is none of us could ever be good enough to earn a place in heaven, ever. And hopefully that takes off that expectation of perfection off you and goes, okay, that makes me feel a little better. It is an impossible task to do that, and this is why religion is so exhausting and ultimately hopeless, because you will never be perfect enough. There's a side of in your spouse that they need to accept you for who you are as you change with God to be the best person you can be, but you're not perfect, and we all know that in every friendship that we do. Point three, it's less of an obstacle and more of a statement. The world only knows the Jesus you portray. The world only knows the Jesus you portray. Those in the world that who, have, who have no understanding of Jesus forms their understanding of Jesus through our actions and attitudes. It's up to you who you become. Period. 
We, we live in this life where we can, we can do whatever we want, say whatever we want. We can go about our life in whatever way we want. It's not like Jesus or God's up there plucking us out and, and putting us on a different path. He lets us walk the path that we want to walk. Because he knows that ultimate transformation will be in a genuine relationship with God. And the genuine relationship with God will be when you're walking that path going, this is just not right. Something's not right about this. I need to go somewhere else. And that, that transformative power hits you in that relationship and goes, wow, I truly believe that every single person when in a genuine relationship with Jesus would naturally just turn away from all of their sinful ways, period, because of just the relationship and how life-giving it is from Jesus. That's what I firmly believe to my very core. Jesus' relationship, our relationship with him is so transforming. We need to remember that. It's up to you who you become. In Mark 7, 6, in, in the middle of that verse, like I said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We all have to ask ourselves, is that me? Is that you? Do we honor Jesus, God, with our lips, but yet our heart knows nothing how to walk in his footsteps, how to be like him? Because the best evangelism, the best of sharing of Jesus comes from us walking in Jesus' example. What do you know about Jesus? Sometimes we get so hung up on just the resurrection and nothing else, we forget about the 33 years that Jesus walked the earth. But if we need to figure out what Jesus' example is so we can walk after it, we need to know about the resurrection, but we need to know about the 33 years of him walking the earth, which we can read about through Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all through the Bible of how Jesus went through different things, how he talked to people, how he talked to people that were in, in crisis, in, in sickness, in a place where they felt down and out, and when they felt like they were a failure, when they were in sin and everyone was around them ready to stone them. How did Jesus react in those moments? Because when we start to realize that, it is unbelievably freeing to realize that we don't need to walk around judging people. Judging people takes your peace. If someone judges you, you can walk away going, they don't have peace in their life. And if that's what they have to deal with, that's what they have to deal with. But the beauty of me, and like the Bible says, as for me and my house, we're choosing to serve the Lord. And what does that mean? It means that we walk in Jesus' example, in Christ's example of how we can show love and acceptance and how it is. There's so many verses in the Bible that say this. In 1 John 2 verse 6, it says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. In 1 Peter 2.21, it says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The second you become a true Christ follower, the message of Jesus will spread like wildfire. And I mean a true follower of Jesus, not a religious person that needs to make sure everyone knows that they're living their life, their life wrong. But instead, you just live your life the best that you can, following after Jesus, and you can love on people for who they are, period. Everyone's a child of the king. Whether you like them is up to you, but they're still made and created by the same God. I'm stepping on toes, I know I am. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> but that's how we should live. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Apostle Paul said this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's a question I've been asking myself. We have the Bible now, so that's beauty. Beautiful. We can, we can go, hey, go check out how Jesus lived his life. Back in the day, they couldn't do that. But Paul was saying, I'm going to make sure that I live my life so well that you can just watch me, and that will exemplify Jesus. How amazing is that? 
Many of you are like, ah, whatever. But for those of you that go, yeah, you could walk in, into a room exemplifying the person that we want everyone to exemplify because when we truly exemplify Jesus, you love, you accept, you forgive, you enjoy. And please get off this other side of the ditch. There's one mile of road, my dad used to always say, in two miles of ditch. And on one ditch, we think acceptance and love is only for people we agree with their lifestyles. That's not true. On the road is, on the other ditch is the complete opposite side of that. Where it's like, oh yeah, we're going to believe exactly what you believe if I accept and love you. No, the, the middle of the road goes, I can love everyone and still choose to live my life after Jesus. The second we feel like we need to grab onto their style of life and apply it to us, you're getting it wrong. Now we're not exemplifying Jesus anymore. We're not going down the road of being an example and following his example. There's so many verses that go in Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that it so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Wow the perfecter of faith. All of us feel inadequate at times. All of us feel like our faith isn't working. All of us at times feel like we're a little bit down and out. But when you realize that what are we focusing on, when we focus back on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. That's amazing. Yeah, give Jesus a hand. When we start to go that route, it is amazing what happens. See, relationship with Jesus has such transformative power. I laugh when people are trying to change others. It's never going to work. You're never going to change someone, ever. You have to get rid of that. If you're married to someone you want to change, you're not going to change them. What? Yeah, you're not going to change them. That's just how it works. You think someone needs to change, you need to be more like Jesus. When you are more like Jesus, people feel loved. They feel accepted. They feel like there is something different about you. And that something is infectious and makes them go, I want that. I want that. No one changes because you go, hey, you need to change. I'm saying it very bluntly right now, but that's the way judgment happens all the time. We just say, hey, you're, you're not living your life correctly. I can't hang out with you anymore. It's like, you need, to know, you need to know where that line is, of course, with your friendships and your relationships, where you need to distance yourself from those who gossip and those who do things that just bring it down all the time. But the love and acceptance for that person as a person needs to remain there. Just because their actions aren't exemplifying Jesus doesn't mean you just give up on them. But there's, tox there's toxicity, this is a different message, I'm going to leave it. There's a toxicity in there that we have to be careful of. So just stay out of the ditch in this message and realize we can talk about another message later about toxicity <laughs> with relationships. But that's how it works. A genuine relationship with God is transformative, it has transformative power. The Holy Spirit was left on this earth to be our, our helper, our guide, to push us towards where we need to go, what we need to do, how, what we need to say, how we need to love. That's what Holy Spirit does. And change becomes inevitable as you embrace this relationship with Jesus. Through Jesus, people are transformed, turning away from sin, refraining from judgment and gossip and experiencing positive change. But we need to come together as Christians, real Christ followers, and recognize the essence of Christianity. It is not merely about rigid rules or rituals, but rather about entering into a profound and life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. He came to liberate us from the exhausting pursuit of religious perfection to grant us a rest and truly fulfilling existence. Wow. A truly fulfilling existence is what Jesus came to establish within us. 
If you've ever felt weary from tirelessly learning or trying to earn God's approval, I have good news for you. Jesus invites you to come to him and experience a freedom and joy that can only be found in his unforced rhythms of grace. And what is his grace? His, uh, his power within you. His power, his ability to change you. Not forcing you in judgment ways, but just this relationship. You ever had a friend that they live their life so differently that it, it just is infectious? And you're like, wow, I want to be around this person. This person is joyful. This person's happy. This person is encouraging. And you start to take on that side. There's many married, married spouses that know this. When, you're, when your spouse goes out with that one friend that you love, your spouse comes home changed. They come home with a happier demeanor, more joyful, whatever it is. That's because it's infectious, this personality with people. And that's the exact same way that Jesus works when we have a genuine relationship with him. I want to leave you with one point, just one last thing. As you wholeheartedly embrace the example of Christ and align your life with his teachings, you will discover an incredible transformation taking place within you. By modeling your life after Jesus, you will begin to experience the abundant life that he promises. Moreover, your own life will become a living testimony, demonstrating to others what it truly means to live in the fullness and the abundant life. Through your actions, your attitudes, and your interactions, you will radiate the joy, peace, and fulfillment that comes from walking closely with Christ. As you walk this path of abundant life, you have the opportunity to inspire, to guide others towards their own transform transformation in their journey. How cool is that? It's about how we share our faith. Get out of this religious side where we continue to just go down the side of judgment and gossip and all of these different things because it'll never bring anything healthy to your life ever, whether you listen to it or whether you speak it. But when we embrace this life after Jesus, everyone gets affected by it because your entire being changes, your family changes, this church changes, your home changes, your career changes. This is how it all works, all just by being an example, following in Jesus' example for the rest of our life. That's the best way we can share our faith because then the conversations will come up and you'll walk the walk and talk the talk. Your lips won't honor Jesus, but your heart is far from him. It'll be right in line, with the, which is the way that Jesus wants it to be. It's transformation. Transformative change happens with Jesus and Jesus alone. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? We talk about this all the time in church, and, and this message was not by itself in that side. We, we know that our relationship with Jesus is so incredibly important. And every single week, we always give an opportunity to every single person that's sitting in our auditorium at any one of our locations, whether you're in Calgary right now or whether you're sitting right here. Uh, this, this amazing prayer is, can cause so much transformation through a screen, through it live, wherever you might be. But I want to take a moment right now with no one looking around, every head bowed and eyes closed. And I want to ask anyone who wants to in be included in this prayer and start this relationship with Jesus, the relationship that I just described for the last 30 minutes of this message, that relationship that can cause true change within you and everyone you come into contact with because of the love of Christ. But I don't know who it is, and I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes, and it's just between me and that person. That, that is choosing to, to follow Jesus today. But if that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand and just give me a little wave. And I'm going to include you in that prayer. Thank you. So awesome. So great. Thank you. So great. Thank you. If you're watching in Calgary right now, go ahead and slip your hand up. One of the pastors there will, will see your hand. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. 
So great. This is the best, best choice you will ever make in your entire life. Thank you. Thank you. So good. So good. It's not a secret pill that makes your life better, but it starts a relationship, thank you, that is so amazing where you can just latch on to the example that Jesus left and say, yes, I want to live that life. And I promise you that you will see change in your entire life when you embrace this lifestyle of living like Jesus. Awesome. Same with Calgary. If you, everyone in Calgary, everyone in this auditorium here right now, if you can repeat this prayer after me and believe it with everything that you are, believe that what we're about to say, the prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart from today and on. I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you in your name. Amen and amen.